Hi, this is Jim Line. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jim? Jay, I'm so good. I hope your spring is going well. It's going great. You haven't been down to Florida, have you? You look so tan. No, you know, I got kind of that artificial thing working from time to time. <laughs> oh, but you know what, Jay Harvey? You look good no matter what. So, oh, thank you. so don't try so hard. Just be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? As we're thinking about who we are, I have to tell you a story that launches a new series here at Viewpoint, and it has to do with my wife and her love of pets. Okay, so I'm not really a pet guy. How about you? Uh, not particularly. I actually love pets in other people's homes. I do too. But in my house, not so much. Anyway, I travel a lot, and so my wife's home alone because the boys have grown up and left the house and so on. And she grew up with a cat in her house with her mom always and so on and so forth. And when the boys were home, we had a dog, and Genesis has passed away. May Genesis, the wonder dog, rest in peace. But I thought the pet phase was over, the kids are gone, but no, I came home and my wife had bought two kittens, sisters. <laughs> and of course, I have two granddaughters uh, close by who put her up to it. They're age seven and five. They're all over the cats. At first, they wanted to name the two sister kitties R2-D2 and BB-8, you know, the Perfect. Whole Force Awakens. Yes. But in the end, they settled on Anna and Elsa from the Frozen movie. Of course. Nobody can tell the two cats apart. One could be Anna, one could be Elsa. No one knows. <laughs> they come home in a box. They're little kittens in a box. You know how that is, cats in a box? Mm-hmm. And they're very shy, and they're a little, you know, psyched out by the new environment. They've ridden in the car. They're in the laundry room in their box. And they're quite content in their box until one of them, yes. I think it's actually Anna, mm-hmm. peers over and falls out of the box and gets out of the box. Yes. And ultimately, in the last week, they're discovering what life is like out of the box. And as I watch this happen, I just I think about life and how we all live in boxes. You and me and everyone listening, we all live in boxes. And the truth be told, if you live in a box, you'll never experience the wonder and the magic and just the exhilarating ride that life can be because we're so afraid of what's out there. Mm -hmm. And I want to be out of the box. Do I hear you saying that we're not built to live in a box? I'm hearing you quote me. Mm. Actually, you said it better than I did and much more precisely. (laughs) We weren't built to be in a box. And God calls people who are made in his image and following his son to get out of the box. Why do I think that? Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. When you read the stories in the Acts of the Apostles, life is stretched, your horizons are expanded, and you can never go back to the way life used to be. And I have a little hashtag in my Twitter account, I want to use it. I want to be like that. I want to live like that. Mm-hmm. Stay with us, and we're going to help you understand what it means to get out of the box. Okay, the Acts of the Apostles. It's really a seminal work in the New Testament. It tells the story of the first century Christian church. It describes what happens after Jesus ascends to heaven. He's no longer here in the flesh, no longer shaking hands, giving hugs, having fish dinners by the seashore of Galilee. (laughs) He's ascended to the Father. His promise is, I'm coming back. In the meantime, you've got the Holy Spirit working with you. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. And Mm -hmm. so the Acts of the Apostles is this narrative history of key figures in the early Christian years who are establishing the church, they're expanding their horizons, they're living with Christ, the resurrected Jesus, by his power and in his Holy Spirit. And a lot of amazing things happen. The first chapters of this book, though, as you know, Jay, student of the scripture that you are, yes, they're really about Jerusalem. It's kind of the place where most of the Easter week events take place, the ascension, we think, on the Mount of Olives nearby. 
the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they're amazed, jaw-dropping wonder about this Jesus who rises from the dead, ascends to heaven, tells them to go preach into all the world, but actually they just hang out in town. Right. They're in the upper room, the Holy Spirit falls on them, they preach in the temple courtyards, every street, every corner, every marketplace, every street sign is familiar to them. Mm-hmm. Until what happens? Well, then, uh, of course, when you get to Acts 7, you see Stephen, who has replaced Judas as a disciple, and he met with a very unfortunate fate as well. This really was the result of persecution, and uh, what we see as we pick it up in 759, and, and I might just read that, is they all came to a moment where seeing this happen, they knew that they were going to be pushed out of their familiar surroundings. As because you have put it, they were going to have to be pushed out of the box. They were going to have to go and and work this out in an area that they were unfamiliar with. Stephen is actually going to be stoned. He's going right. to be murdered because right. he's a follower of Jesus, and it's terrifying for right. the crowd watching it, of course, for Stephen, but for all of his friends. And that's where you're picking up the story. Yes. In Acts 7, starting with verse 59, it reads, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul, which will become very important as we continue to read, uh, starting in chapter 8, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. And reading on in 8, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And this Saul, of course, will become the Apostle Paul. Stephen has been murdered, and the consequence is the unleashing of persecution, which is just disrupting everything. All the pie socials, all the structured church meetings, all the gatherings for prayer and Bible study, all the teaching on the street corner, all the things to which they had become accustomed suddenly has been blown away. Mm. The persecution has challenged them all. And in verse 4 of Acts chapter 8, we get the story of what happens. There's just one guy who's in this mix, one of the believers, who was like Stephen, a deacon. He wasn't one of the apostles, but this Philip was a man who was forced out of his box by this persecution, and this is what the Bible then says. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and to see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. When we come back, Jay, let's unpack this very dramatic narrative and just see a little bit how those first century believers were forced out of their box and what that teaches us about how we live today. We'll be right back. Every journey needs a first step to start, and every fire grows from a single spark. A great symphony begins with just one note and one voice. Give the whole world hope It's no impossible Nothing we can't face The tallest mountains are moved by the seat of faith Come together Don't you know that you're not alone We 
As you're listening today to Viewpoint, you might have a question or a comment. Maybe you'd like us to pray with you, or maybe you just want to share a thought. We want you to know we have a toll-free number, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, wherever you are, dial this up, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're right by the phone. So glad to hear from you, always. We'll give you the number again at the end of the broadcast, but for now, just know we're always glad to hear from you. Jay Harvey and I are talking about what it means to get out of the box. I think, Jay, if you're like me, there's something comfortable about the predictable, the known. Absolutely. And even when you think you're doing things that are a little bit on the edge, that can become a comfortable place. And uh, so even if church is going well and you're doing things that are impacting the community and you know, you've just got that edge or buzz about you, that can become kind of routine as well and become safe. So Jesus is always ready to push us a little farther out of the box. And just like the kittens my wife brought home to the laundry room, there's a certain secure zone in the box. We know where the walls are. Mm -hmm. We know what's in the box with us, and we can adjust and adapt to that. But what's out there in the big house? What's (laughs) out there beyond the cardboard walls? And while most of us would not imagine ourselves in that kind of box, the truth is we are. We're boxed in by our history, by our families of origin, by our geography, by our job, perhaps by our physical capacities, by our relationships. I mean, everything that is known, if we're not careful, can confine us I'm not suggesting we should abandon all that we have known. Obviously, there's much good in what we have known. But don't allow what you already know to be the limit of your experience. You have to allow God always to give you a chance to take the dare. He is always going to try and stretch you. Abundant life, real, whole life, is always found on a growing edge, not the predictable, safe, known edge. And what we've read in Acts chapter 7 and 8 is just that a group of believers who have been dazzled by the power of the resurrected Christ. They have been amazed by the descent of the Holy Spirit. They have seen some miracles in the town in which they were then living. Suddenly, by persecution, I'd say by the devil's own hand, the persecution is not God's work, it's the devil's work. All of that has converged to force them to get out of their box. The cardboard box is suddenly turned upside down, and they have to run for their lives. And the outcome, while it's not one they would have chosen, actually turns out to be one of blessing. That's the wonder of this story. Philip is forced out of the box. Everyone is. And what does the scripture say that when they're forced out of the box, what's their message? What do they start talking about exclusively? Jesus. (laughs) They went everywhere talking about the good news about Jesus. Jesus is the subject. My guess is when you're fleeing persecution, you're not really trying to decide what the colors in the banners should be for the sanctuary. There's no dispute about what time we're going to have the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. We're not going to fight over our parking place. What the color of the choir robes or whether we have choir robes or whether we have a choir, where the drum kit is. I mean, 101 things that arouse our passions in ordinary life, suddenly when you're out of the box, don't seem so important. And you're forced to wrestle with the fundamentals. Jesus. That's it. And that's all that was needed. And, and it just strikes me again, as I sit here and read, that, that Philip and, and some of the others, as you read on, that is the message that they took. That is all that they needed. And what continued to happen, as you uh, read, the, the city where they went realized that there was joy to be had. Lives were being changed. And it was all because of the message of Jesus. And often when we get out of the box, we think that we need all of these things to help us. And really, it's just the truth of who Jesus is and what he wants to do through you 
that will sustain you when you get out of the box. So uh, it's so simple, but yet we make it so hard sometimes. When the scripture says they went everywhere giving the good news about Jesus, right. well, Jesus is the subject, and it's good news about him. Right. Think about this. Yes. In the midst of persecution, we're on the run, we're not sure where we're going to sleep tonight, the bad guys are fast on our heels, we're going to give you good news. That's right. I mean, think yeah. about their world is framed by good news. Too often, people who are walking with Jesus are not famous for good news, but for bad news. Right. They're the ones who always cast a cloud in a sunny sky. There's the ones who find something is the matter, there's something wrong, there's something broken. And while the world is a mess up, I want to be the first to acknowledge that. If you're following Jesus, wherever you go in this messed up world, you should be the guy, the woman, with good news. Exactly. You're the person who helps put a frame of reference that gives hope. No matter who you are, no matter how desperate the hour, no matter how dark the night, we're the people who are bringing good news about Jesus. And they were just within days of seeing Jesus, the one that they had followed, resurrected to new life. And so I'm sure that they were fearful of the persecution, but knowing what they knew... They knew that Jesus had the power and would ultimately lead them and resurrect them at some point. The good news is, hey, we have to share this because we've seen Jesus. We've seen him crucified. We've seen him resurrected to new life. We've seen him now ascend to the right hand of the Father. And though we are being persecuted, now's not the time to settle. Now's the time to preach Jesus. And now we've lost everything, and we're not sure where we will sleep tonight. But for all of that, because of what we have seen and know, we've got some good news for you, our new friends here in Samaria, as Philip might say. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk just exactly what is that news about the Messiah, and what does it make happen?
When the Bible tells us that Philip went to Samaria and he told everyone about the Messiah, that's, that's the sum of what he was talking about. I wonder what that means exactly. I think talking about the Messiah, who is Jesus, probably encompassed the whole story. I think he told them about the miraculous birth of Jesus, the Annunciation to Mary, the singing of the angels to the shepherds. He told them about how he was a young boy and left behind at the temple, but still could hold his own because he wasn't just a boy. He was the son of God. Mm. 
I think Philip told them about the temptation of the wilderness and the baptism of Jesus and John the Baptist and about the teaching of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount and the storm on Galilee and about the raising of Lazarus from the dead and the whole drama of the Passion Week and the Palm Sunday and the trial of Jesus and the burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus for the 40 days before the ascension of Jesus and the promise of his coming again. When it says Philip told them about the Messiah, he told them everything Mm -hmm. about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the outcome of that were changed lives, miraculous outcomes. People who had been long oppressed, people who had suffered physically and otherwise, people who didn't know what to do, people who were without hope, people who found themselves in a box from which there was no escape. At the teaching of Jesus, real spiritual power is unleashed to change the course of human events. And what we must never forget is whenever Jesus is the subject, whenever he's at the fore, and we are willing to be out of the box other people will be set free from their box too. Absolutely right. And that's what's so amazing about this story about Philip and Samaria, because his work to change the lives of the people who lived there, he became an instrument in the hand of God to improve the way they lived. The fact that the whole community actually had its course altered with a better way to live earned him the right to teach them more about Jesus. Jesus even told his detractors in John chapter 10, when they challenged him and said, who are you? He said, I'll tell you who I am. My works have already told you who I am. Because even Jesus understood that when you bless people and when you do good and you help set them free and you alter their course, that's what declares the truth of the message. And in the same way, Philip actually touches people's lives. And as he does, they want to hear more about Jesus, which brought him to town. Folks, I don't know where you are today. Not sure what your circumstances are, but don't be content to just live in a box. First step, surrender your life into the hands of Jesus Christ. He lives, he is powerful, he's close by, he knows you by name. He wants to make things right with you, and he wants to help you get out of your box so you can feel life and change the world. Give your life to him. Secondly, when you give your life to him, watch and wait and take the dare. And when you have opportunity, get out of your box. Don't play it safe. And when you have difficulties, when the enemy of your soul seems to intervene in your life and maybe even persecutes you, don't see it as something that is just a loss. See it as an opportunity. God is going to turn around. God will take the devil's mischief and he'll turn it for the good if you're willing to just get out of the box, wherever you are today. Whatever your challenge, whatever your box, take a step with us. Pray. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know us, each one by name, and that you're watching over us, and you have a plan for each of us. We acknowledge today, Lord, that your plans for us are always good. And we also acknowledge that there is an enemy of our souls, there is an adversary, Satan himself, who desires to thwart your plans for us. And sometimes, Lord, in a world that is so difficult, we're prone to just play it safe and to stay in our box where things are predictable, even if they're not right in the box. And Lord, I pray that we will surrender our lives into your hands. Whatever the circumstances of our box, Lord, we place our lives in your hands. And we ask that you'll help us to get out of the box. And even when the enemy intervenes and causes us grief, may we still speak good news of Jesus. Yes. Lord, breathe life into us and cause us to breathe life into others. And may we actually change the way people live for the good that they might know more about Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. 
Now here's our number again. Dial this toll free. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone. And Jay, if someone did not want to call us up, but they preferred instead to check us out online, what's our web address? It is cbhviewpoint.org. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. cbhviewpoint.org. Check out the ministry. Send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, if you prefer, write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint. Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or send us a letter by surface mail, let us hear from you this week. Jay, thanks for getting out of the box with us today. It's my favorite subject. And we are so thankful you tuned in as well. We hope you'll join us again next week when Jay and I will be back to talk a little bit more about getting out of the box. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.